Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Bucket. They gonna love me for my ambition. We are here to preview each division. Yes, it is that time of year where we get into all the preseason mamba-jamba. We start previewing all the divisions for you. We have all six previews of each division here for you live on the Hooper's Log here at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern here, the first day, October 12th. 2015 on a Monday. Yes, we get it started on a Monday, and we will be previewing today the Atlantic Division for 2015-2016. Again, my name is Simo Buckets. My co-host today, Andrew Norris, uh, simobuckets.com. Go there to check out anything about me and what you want to know. Also, we'll have shirts and beanies coming out here in the next month or so. We're probably thinking late October, right around the time the season begins. Uh, Beanies, obviously, we'll get those going. This is CLNS Radio. If you're listening to the app, thank you again for listening. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio, that is where we we host the show live. If you want to go there, blogtalkradio.com slash thehooperslog, and you can click on the first link for the live show, and you can get us there again. And the phone number, if you'd like to call in now, 323-642-1558. Again, we are still doing giveaways for NBA 2K16. We only have one game. And the question is to get the free game. And this is for the PlayStation 4 version. PlayStation 4. What is the total point scored in the career of Michael Jordan in NBA Finals Game 5? So in every single Game 5 of Michael Jordan's career in the NBA Finals, what is his total point scored in all five of those Game 5s in the NBA Finals? All all Game 5s, just Game 5s, no other games, just in Game 5s in the NBA Finals. If you have the answer, you get the game. Answer by calling in, by tweeting me or Andrew. If you go to cmobuckets.com, you can find that information and you can get to it ASAP. So we're here to preview the Atlantic Division again, which is the Celtics, Raptors, Knicks, Nets, and 76ers. Obviously, this is CLNS Radio. CLNS Radio is all Boston sports. We obviously do more here talking about the NBA, not just the Boston Celtics, but that is one of the main topics we'll get into today. We'll talk about the Boston Celtics. Again, we are doing an NBA 2K giveaway. Anticipate a potential 90-minute show today. Uh, we're not going to probably go that long, but that is our allotted time for today. Andrew, how you doing today? Doing good, man. I'm excited. We're getting closer and closer. Preseason has started. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing the young guys get some time. We're seeing the old guys, you know, at least go out on the floor. It's just it's exciting. 
we're seeing previews of what to expect for the season. I mean, you're starting to see a little bit of what's going on. I don't really – I'm one of those where I really don't take into consideration what happens during the preseason. A lot of it is, like you said, it's, it's kind of like the NFL. You know, you get, a, you get a sneak peek here and there from quarter to quarter, and you get to see a little bit. And then, obviously, in the second half, you start to see the young guys who are fighting for that 12th spot or that maybe that 10th that spot on the roster, looking for the last couple of spots on the roster, maybe even to hang out on IR waiting for their spot to play. So, again, we're getting into the Atlantic Division, and we're going to get it started. Andrew, are you ready to do this? I'm ready, man. I was I was born ready. I was born ready. <laughs> Let's get it going. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Obviously, here you're listening live to the Hooper's Log. If you're listening to the podcast, awesome, on CLNS Radio, and obviously CLNS Radio is all things Boston. We're going to break down the Boston Celtics first. Obviously, you're here to listen to your Boston programming. And the thing about the Boston Celtics, and for those of you who've been listening to me for the last year, um, basically since the beginning of uh, December of 20, actually mid-December 2014 when I started this show, um, I jumped on the CLNS bandwagon back in, I would say, about May was when I started doing my shows through CLNS and the app, um, through Lipson, all those sorts of good things, those goody fun things that we've done. And the one thing I've been talking about Boston, because I've done some pre, I've done some post game shows for the Boston Celtics, and this is the thing I've been harping on since before the summer and before the off season began. This Boston Celtics team has pretty much it all made out. Now the problem is, and the one issue the Boston Celtics have, through my perspective, is the fact that they do not have a grade A free agent. They did not pick up that go-to guy in the offseason. Now, is that their fault? No. I mean, depending upon where the market is in the NBA, depending upon where the market is with the Boston Celtics and whatnot, you're not always going to pick up that grade A guy that you need. Now, they did pick up some key pieces. They picked up Amir Johnson, um, a solid center, guy who can come in and play right now, picked him up from the Toronto Raptors. He's going to come in this year and provide some spark off the bench, if not start half the time. They also got a guy in David Lee who's got some, obviously, a championship experience in the way he did with the Golden State Warriors last year. He's been in the league for a while. He's, a, he's an experienced guy. Is he the best player, best power forward out there? No, but he's a grade B, grade C kind of guy who can come in and really provide you with some time. They also they still have Jay Crowder. They still have Avery Bradley. Those are really the two staples of the team. Jay Crowder is a guy you're going to be able to get the ball into his hands late in the game and find a way to get, get, get something going. I wouldn't say he's going to do it all the time. He might be able to do it 50 to 40% of the time. He'll get you some points. Avery Bradley, solid lockdown defender, really a staple of what the Boston Celtics are about, defense, hard-nosed basketball, a solid shooting guard at the two-guard position. And then, and then you got the score in Isaiah Thomas, and Marcus Smart will be coming in from time to time. Basically, the starting roster for the Boston Celtics is very up in the air. I mean, like I've said, Tyler Zeller and Amir Johnson probably going to switch spots here and there at the center position. Then you got a guy, Jared Selinger, a guy from Ohio State, as we know, a pretty powerful guy down low. And then David Lee will come in from time to time. They might switch the starting position from time to time. That's what's going to happen with the big men in Boston. And like I said, Jay Crowder at the small forward position, he's going to be there every night. Avery Bradley's going to be there every night as a shooting guard. And then you're going to switch it off from time to time. Probably more, most of the time it's going to be Marcus Smart. But Isaiah Thomas will be starting from time to time, depending upon how they feel with the lineup. Uh, the bench, the bench is not anything to shake your head at. If anything, these guys can start as well. Evan Turner, we know this guy can come in and play the small forward position with his size. He can play the two guard. He can play the point guard. He can really come in and play three positions if you really put him out there. 
Kelly Olenek, again, a guy who's fundamental, maybe not quite there at the NBA level yet, but he's fundamental and can get you some baskets from time to time. The guy has definitely been progressing his outside jumper and been getting better every single year. The year he's been in the NBA, I think last year was his rookie year, if not the year before. Jonas Direkpo. This guy came in. He's, again, another product of an outside guy, a big man who can shoot three. He's really kind of the same thing as David Lee, um, and he can come in and bring you rebounds and get you some points when you need them. And Perry Jones, a guy, another guy coming from Oklahoma City, a big man who can shoot. They have the potential with this bench to really do something in the middle of ball games. And when, when the second stringers come in, this team will win. This team will dominate when it comes to the second string uh, you know, capabilities. When the second line comes in, kind of like in hockey, when the second line comes in, the Boston Celtics will be, able to, will be able to dominate because they have the second string to compete with anybody in the NBA. The only issue is the fact that, they, again, they don't have a go-to guy. If you want to label Jay Crowder as a go-to guy, you're not going to do much when it comes to late in ball games, And that's the problem that the Boston Celtics have. That's really the only issue they have. That just means they have to compensate for some things. They got some rookies in the offseason. They got Terry Rozier from Louisville. They got R.J. Hunter from that really small team, an outstanding scorer in college basketball last year. If those two guys can find a way to jump in and fall into this Brad Stevens system, which, by the way, is in its third season, for those of you Celtics fans who are not necessarily the biggest Brad Stevens fans, this guy is starting to turn this program around for this, this professional team. And it's his third year. He's got to come in and make a statement now. Not maybe not, maybe not win like a lot in the postseason, but at least make a statement in the regular season and say, hey, guess what? We're gearing up to get some guys in here and to become something big. So this team, they have it all. They really do. They have all the pieces they need to be successful when it comes to the long term. The only issue, and I keep bringing this up, summer of 2015, they did not do what they needed to do to improve this ball club. They didn't. They just didn't. They didn't get that grade A free agent. They didn't pick up a guy in Mark Gasol. They didn't pick up a guy in, you know, like, for example, if they, if they had a guy like DeMar DeRozan in Boston, you're talking about a team that's winning 50 games right now because they have the go-to guy. They have all the pieces to really solidify a dominant force in Boston. They just don't have that. And once they do, or if someone finds a way to step up and become that guy, Jay Crowder, R.J. Hunter, potentially a guy in Isaiah Thomas, if one of those guys can step up and do that, or if they can pick up a runner player later, you're talking about a team that can win 45 to 50 games this season. Uh, Andrew, I got some questions for you, and I know you got some stuff you want to talk about as well. Can they compensate for that lack of a superstar? Um, they can They can compensate in terms of, coming close or making the playoffs. Now, when it comes to a big series where you're going to have to win four out of seven games against another team, you know, that's in the playoffs, and especially because it's probably going to be against one of these higher seeds, you know, the Wizards, the Cavs, Toronto, where all those teams have a guy where they're going to turn to and they're going to say, beat them. Uh, Like you said, the Celtics lack that. What they do have, which, which a lot of teams don't have, is they have three separate positions where they have two guys who could start, um, point guard, small forward, and power forward, and, you know, Marcus Smart and Isaiah Thomas at the point, uh, Jay Crowder and Evan Turner at the uh, small forward, even, you know, if you want to throw Evan Turner at shooting guard with Avery Bradley. And then at the four, you got Sillinger and you got David Lee. Um, they have depth that is going to help them in those big games, but when it comes down to it's time to take over a game, 
Uh, they're going to lack that. They're going to miss that. Um, they, they've had it in the past with their great teams. They had three separate guys who could do that, you know, in the in the late 2000s with KG, Pierce, and Ray Allen. You know, they used to have Larry Bird. They used to have Bill Russell. These great Celtics teams have always had that. Almost almost all great teams have had that. You know, there's there's a few you can pick out, the early 2000s Pistons, teams like that. But, but these teams are also – this Celtics team is also nowhere near those – very, very rare teams in, in terms of talent. Um, they do have, you know, probably a top five coach in the NBA in Brad Stevens. The fact that he got this young, inexperienced team to the playoffs last year, I really thought was phenomenal. You know, I thought that was about as good of a coaching job as you can do. Um, but, but when it comes to really making an impact in the East and really, you know, pushing through a playoff series, they just they just don't have the firepower for it. Yeah, and, and and this and it's funny that you mentioned that Brad Stevens is a potential top or is a top five coach in the NBA. You know, I, I, when I first jumped onto the CLNS, uh, this this radio station, the interesting thing about the fan base is that they have this perspective that they need to come in and win now. If a coach comes in, they need to win now, and that's not just me saying that. That's the Celtic fan stating that they want to win now. This is a this is an organization and a franchise that has been spoiled with championships throughout their entire history. I mean, they're up there with the LA Lakers. They're one of the top two teams in all all time in, in the NBA ever, and at one point even the greatest by a long shot. And the one thing that they really wanted wanted was when Brad Stevens came in was to be successful immediately. The problem is, and, and this is the thing I've been trying to tell them, this roster's been in flux. Over the last couple of years, I mean, last season, and it's, this, it's so mind-blowing, but at the beginning of the 2014-2015 season, this team was completely different than now. And going, into the entire, going through the entire season last year, they had over, I believe they said over 65 different starting rosters, or lineups, excuse me. I mean, when you have that many starting lineups and you can still find a way to get into the postseason, that tells you that your coach automatically knows how to coach to his strengths and finds a way to get at least his team a sniff at the postseason. Now, we all knew once they got into the postseason when they played a team like either, you know, the number one seed in Atlanta or obviously when they played Cleveland, they didn't stand much of a chance again. Not a superstar in the mix. They didn't really have much of a shot to begin with, but the way they competed in that four games, when that sweep against the Cavs, each game it looked like a knockout, drag-out type of fight. It was. It was, and the Celtics put everything they could on the table, and you noticed that during those games, in the middle portion of games, the Celtics would dominate because every time the Cleveland Cavaliers went out and they took their starters out of the ball game, they would dominate because of that depth, because of that capability to compete with the second stringers in Cleveland. That's the biggest key for this team this season, and considering the amount of guys coming in for next free agency, a la Kevin Durant, a la other guys that I haven't mentioned that could be a big-time factor next summer, they could go out and potentially make a big deal and trade a draft pick or trade someone to get a rented player to come in here, and that would solve so many issues late in ball games, and it would solve it so much to the point that they might go on a big streak late in the year and come into the playoffs with 48, 49, maybe even 50-plus wins, and, they could do- and I'm telling you, they can dominate through the Eastern Conference because if you have that one go-to guy, the rest of the team is so strong and so – so good. I mean, they're not, they're, I wouldn't call them like amazing. Like they're not like, you know, they don't have a threesome like they did back in, in 08 when they had Kevin Garnett and when they had Paul Pierce. I mean, even Rajon Rondo was a part of that, but obviously then you had a guy in Ray Allen. When they had those four guys, those were all superstar caliber players. 
they don't necessarily have that right now. I mean, you can make the case Jay Crowder could potentially make that leap this year. Avery Badley's been a solid player. They just have a bunch of really, really solid players that can come in and compete at a high level in the NBA. Not a high level as an all-star level, but a high level. And they have that. And it's just the fact of closing out ball games. And considering that their roster's been in flex over the last couple of years, I mean, that's the only issue I have. And I have this serious question for you, Andrew. I mean, identity. Can they grow one this season? They haven't had an identity in the last two, three years, basically since the last time they made a deep run in the postseason back in, like, maybe 2012 or 2013 when Doc Rivers left. Once Doc Rivers left, they lost that identity. Do you think they can finally get that this season? You know, I, I almost – I almost feel like they're stuck in the uh, post-Tracy McGrady Rockets form. I almost feel like that's what they're going for, where they're never going to gain that that true identity. They're going to be hanging around the 8th seed, hanging around the 7th seed, hoping to be better the next year over and over and over, unless, you know, the killer roster. They can go out and they can get a star. If they can get, if they can draft a star, find a diamond in the rough. That, that that changes the whole thing. But normally when you're sitting around the 14th, 15th, 16th pick, those diamond and the roughs are role players. You know, you find a good role player, a good solid role player. You're not finding a perennial all-star. You're not finding somebody who can take over the game. Um, it's almost to the point of if they don't sign a big-name free agent in the next, I don't know, year or two, you, you, they're they may at that point have to reconsider just starting over because the roster they have, even if every single guy on this roster reaches their potential and that's, that's not one missing. I don't, I don't see them higher than a four seed, five seed. I mean, uh, Isaiah Thomas, really, really good, really good basketball player. Not, not ever going to be a superstar. Marcus Smart could be a superstar on the defensive end. I don't think he'll ever have the offense to, uh, to really make that huge impact. Avery Bradley, I think he's about what he'll be. I don't think he's going to get much better. Jay Crowder, like you said, really, you know, really really good ball player and never going to be a never going to be a superstar. Uh Jared Sollinger probably has the highest ceiling, but there's been reports that he hasn't, you know, committed been committed to being good enough to get a paycheck. And then Tyler Zeller, you know, an average NBA player. So they really need that one piece to get that identity or else they're going to be stuck in neutral for, for quite some time, in my opinion. And, and for all we know, that those pieces that could step up, those could be the rookies. I mean, we've seen rookies in the NBA come in and provide the spark that you need to go over the top. Look at, look at what, you know, a guy in Mario Chalmers did for the, for the Miami Heat when he first came into the league. I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't say he first came into the league, but he was kind of a guy who came in and performed at a pretty high clip. Obviously, Kevin Durant. For the Seattle Supersonics, he played at a great level when he first got into the league. You got rookies that can come in and play well, and if they're scorers, especially especially with the way the NBA is going, a guy in R.J. Hunter could come in and potentially light up the scoreboard and give you 15 minutes a game. Get the, excuse me, 15 points a game. He can do that. And, and if you got a guy that can come in and do that in skips and spurts throughout the ball game, you got a team that could potentially have that guy and make him into that guy by the end of the season. Who knows? I'm just saying. And considering those rookies, where do you think they might fit in? Yeah, that's that's almost where the problem is. Like you said, a guy like R.J. Hunter might come in and average 15. Uh, you know, they have four, five, six guys on their roster that could average 15, but they don't have one that could average 25. 
Um, you know, right. the rookies could come in and make an impact, but even with that impact, I, you know, they're not looking at much more than at best maybe a six feet. Uh, you know, the East the East has improved, and and so have they. But I think around them has improved a little bit more than they've improved. You know, so right. I think there's even a potential this year for them to not make the playoffs. I, I I would I would actually you know if I was a betting man I would I would not put my money on it right. because they're they're a lot of good players on that team. But when I say good, you know they're above average. They're not. They're not special. Right. They're not. They're they're not, and they don't really. Most of them don't have the potential to be special. Potential to be good. Right. You know, most of them don't even really have the potential to be very good. It's it's a it's a tough situation to be in, without you know one or two really stout guys. You know, it's guys that can come in and really take over a game. And another guy. I mean, to even mention again, another Renna player potential. The guy, Carmelo Anthony, if he came into the Boston Celtics situation, that is that is a playoff team that could contend with anybody. You have, like I said, a go-to guy late in ball games with that roster, and you hit it on the head. This team, these players, they're not great. They're not going to be in that category of great. The only potential they have is being very good. If you just have a bunch of very good players, you're not going anywhere in the NBA. It's just that simple. Like you've mentioned, maybe outside of a team in the 2004 Detroit Pistons, 2005 Detroit Pistons, outside of a team like that, you're not going to see that in the NBA. And the only reason, really, the, 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 the Detroit Pistons got that good was because of their defense. They had one of the greatest defensive teams ever, and you have to play that way to even contend in the NBA if, if you have just a very good squad of guys. That's what the Celtics team is, and I'm not even saying they're going to be that good. So, it, again, it, it, it gives you this te- This team still has really – ton of questions coming into the season they they have a few they have very few weaknesses though I mean they don't have really any weaknesses the only real weakness they have is not having a go-to guy that's really it outside of that I mean if this team can gel this team can be gritty this season this team can just really put together a solid effort this season this team can win 40 games and it's not a stretch to say they can win 45 but outside of that if you're talking 50, you're starting to get into that kind of crazy routine because unless you have a go-to guy, the go-to guy will really win you five, six games in a season. That's just how it is, and they don't have that guy. So 42, 43 wins is really the maximum potential. Maybe even 45 is the maximum wins you'll squeeze out of a bunch like this this season. Again, you're listening to CLNS Radio. Our, our preview of each team in the division, our Boston Celtics preview, we're done with that now. We're going to move on over to the team that I think you know who we're going to talk about. We're going to go to a break again. NBA 2K giveaway. What is the total point scored in the career of Michael Jordan in NBA Finals Game 5s? Again, all Game 5s in his career. Which, how many points did he score in all of those Game 5s combined? A total point total. If you want to call in and give us the answer, or if you just want to talk about basketball, call in. Phone number is 323-642-1558. We're going to go to a break real quick, and I think you know who we're going to talk about after this song. Start it. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole 
call you every month. I was, I was trying to get it on my own. Working all night, traffic on the way home. And my uncle calling me like, where you at? I gave you the keys, so you bring it right back. I just, I just think it's funny how it goes. Now I'm on the road, half a million for a show. And we started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team. Yeah, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Boys, boys, tell stories about the men. Say I never struggled, wasn't hungry, yeah, I doubt it. I can turn your boy into the man. There ain't really much out here that's popping up without us. We just want the credit where it's due. I'ma worry about me, give a fuck about you. Just as, just as a reminder to myself. I wear every single chain, even when I'm in the house. Cause we started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. No new, no new, we don't feel that. Fuck a fake friend, where your real friends at? We don't like to do too much explaining. Story stay the same, I never changed it. No new, we don't feel that. Fuck a fake friend, where your real friends at? We don't like to do too much explaining. Story stay the same through the money and the fame. Cause we started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started, started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Welcome on back to the Hooper's Log. Again, you're listening to the Atlantic Division Preview, the conference that really is, is, is a conference that isn't the strongest in the NBA, but if you want to talk about strong teams, the Toronto Raptors, they are a team that is, is clearly the favorites in this division. I mean, they have, they have the pieces to compete for a title, that, at least in the Eastern Conference. They have the pieces to compete in the postseason, maybe not for a title, but at least in the postseason. Again, this, this conference, this, excuse me, this division, the Atlantic division, really is two teams and a three-ring circus. I mean, you have the Toronto Raptors, a 49-win team from a year ago, one of the better offensive squads in the NBA. The Boston Celtics, a greedy team, winning 40 last year, just eking into the postseason. And then the Nets, no one knows how the Nets did what they did. And then Philadelphia and New York, as you know, really a mess. But, I mean, the Toronto Raptors, this is a team that – as we know, our clear-cut favorites to win this division. I don't think anyone and their mom doesn't think that this team's going to win, not win this division this year and win it outright. Um, they have all the pieces, and if anything, they improved from a year ago. I mean, their starting lineup. This is their this is their front. This is their backcourt with with the new guy, as you know who that is. Kyle Lowry, All Star last year, first time All Star, clearly deserved. Uh, one of the best, one of the best point guards, if not the best point guard, one of the best point guards in the Eastern Conference, and that's saying a lot, considering that the power point guard position in the NBA is just loaded. DeMar DeRozan, you can make the case that DeMar DeRozan is the best one-on-one scorer shooting guard in the NBA, and that's saying something, considering you got guys like D. Wade, Jimmy Butler, you name it. you got other powerful shooting guards in the NBA. Even Monte Ellis 
in Indiana. You got some major shooting guards out there that can put the ball on the floor and score on their own. But DeMar DeRozan in the post-up game, I don't know if there's a better shooting guard in the post-up game that can dominate the way DeMar DeRozan can. And then obviously you got you got the the, the scatterbrained Damari uh, uh, Carroll. This guy coming in for Atlanta from Atlanta, he really was kind of the glue to the piece. The guy really cemented his portion on the floor on the defensive side of the on the defensive side of the of the ball this season. Obviously, again, offensively, he could put together his own shot. He is If he puts together the season that he put together last season for the Toronto Raptors this year, you're talking about a team with Damari Carroll, DeMar DeRozan, and you got a guy in Kyle Lowry, three guys automatically that could become all-stars next year if they all put it together, and they could seriously lead this team to a deep run in the postseason. The only questions they really have, are their big men. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas is a guy who uh, took some steps last season, but he's still not potential we think he is. If he puts together a solid season, who knows? He could be up there. Patrick Peterson is – Patrick Patterson, excuse me, is a guy who really is just kind of a – he's just really kind of a, you know, he's a rebounder. He's just a big guy who can rebound, get you maybe 10 points a game. He doesn't really do much for you, but he can grab some boards on the glass, and if he can do that, he's going to help out those guys, Damari Carroll, DeMar DeRozan, and a guy in Kyle Lowry. He's going to help them out get in transition and run the floor. Their bench, it improved this offseason, believe it or not. Luis Scola, a very veteran-savvy, power forward, one of those overseas type of guys who can really fundamentally break you down in the paint. You got another guy in James Johnson, another shooting guard who can come in and, and uh, give DeMar, DeMar DeRozan a couple minutes of a break from here from time to time. Corey Joseph. Now, the one thing I like about the signing for Corey Joseph is when I watched the San Antonio Spurs in the 2014 uh, NBA playoffs. So this guy made some leaps and bounds in his game in 2014. And then obviously in 2015, he made a bigger impact than I think I expected as a Spurs fan. But this guy can come in and, and provide you some solid points off the bench, some solid minutes, a solid effort off the bench. He can get you a solid 15 minutes a game if he puts it all together. Obviously, a potential sixth man of the year if he puts it all together is a guy in Terrence Ross, guy who obviously has the leaps and bounds to do anything he can above the rim one of the better guys to come in. And he can provide some, uh, some do, light work duty for a guy like Damari Carroll and DeMar DeRozan when they need the break. Ter- Terrence Ross can do that. Bismack Biombo, really just a big guy down low who can get you boards. He can do that as well. They picked him up in the offseason. And then DeLon Wright, another guy who can come in and provide you some rebounding capabilities in him. And then obviously the signing of Anthony Bennett. I don't think Anthony Bennett's going to be much of a factor, which is shocking to say considering he was the number one draft pick in the NBA about two, three years ago. And I think the only thing he's going to do is come in and play garbage minutes when they're either up or down a lot. Um, obviously, Dwayne Casey, Dwayne Casey in his fifth season, this team has an identity. They have their go-to guy in DeMar DeRozan. They have a go-to point guard. They have it all, really. The only issue is now is what's going to happen with the big men and what are they going to do with that bench? That bench is going to come in and provide the, the spark that they need. If this bench can come in and play – and provide this, the, the breaks that they need for the starters, you're talking about a team that can get to that 50-point, 50, 50 or excuse me, 50-win margin this season. They can do it now. They can get it done immediately, and especially in a division that they're playing in with Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, New York. You better believe this team can win 50 games this season with the team that they have put together. The only issue is, and the only question I have, can the bench hold its weight, Andrew? Can they? Uh, it's, it's tough. You got, I mean, you got a guy who could really honestly carry a whole entire bench of Terrence Ross. Will he, will he finally reach even close to what his potential is? You know, he's an athletic freak. He's shown glimpses of being really, really good. Um, 
you know, I think this is a good team with a with a bad bench, uh, with the potential to be an okay bench. The best point guard in the or in the division, the best shooting guard in the division, probably the second best small forward in the division. You know, you 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 have pieces. You got you got very good pieces. Um, but that when that bench comes in, especially in big games against against good teams, even against a team like Boston, who's going to be sending you know three three or four guys who could start off their bench. That's when you could really dig yourself into a hole. You're down five points. You sit for five minutes. You come back. Be down twelve or thirteen points. It's uh it's yeah. something that you know every a lot a lot of teams that had potential to be great have gone through. You know the the Clippers the last few years, uh, Doc Rivers decided to go that I'm going to sign the oldest guy possible and hope he can turn back the clock 10 years route, which hasn't worked. Um, the the Raptors have just kind of gone, though, well, let's ignore the bench route. Let's just kind of trade trade away bench pieces, try to figure something out. And, you know, I think when, it, when it's all said and done, that's going to kill them. Obvious, obviously a playoff team, obviously a 40-plus win team, but just that bench uh, – you know, you got you got one good piece on it, and then you're pretty lost after that. Yeah, it I seems guess, like, and this is what they did. This kind of is what the what the thing is. Is I was gonna say is this this team last year. What what happened was was they got off to a hot start. They were one of the better teams in the NBA the first month and a half of the season. That's because they have one of the better starting lineups in the NBA. I mean, you have Demari Carroll, Demar Derozan, and Kyle Lowry. You're gonna have a team that's gonna be competitive and very very good in the first part of the year that's when the bench starts to become a factor. That, I mean, as we know, everyone gets off to a hot start with the better, with the better starting lineups. Everyone does. And if you're healthy, if you have a good starting lineup, you're going to have a hot start. That's just what's going to happen. The only way you can maintain that is if you have a very, very deep bench. And that's the only question this team has. And if, and if they can hold any kind of weight this year, adding Corey Joseph, adding Bismack Biombo, uh, getting a guy in Luis Scola on that team, if you can get any kind of, of leverage with that bench, that team will find a way to win 50 games this year. It's just going to happen. The problem is, and there's no proof that it's going to happen. That's the only problem they have. And, and, and considering that, the starting rotation is going to get them off to a hot start. They're going to have a giant lead in this division at some point. It's going to happen. It's going to make it. But you're going to see a team like Boston, maybe even Brooklyn, maybe maybe even the Knicks. You never know. But you're going to see these teams kind of hover around them a little bit, because not, not hover around above them, but hover underneath them a little bit because they have at least some form of a bench to compete. And that's where the Raptors will find themselves issues. And it's mostly because this is what, this is what they're going to do, and this is what they did last season. They had their starters play about, I'd say, 38, 40 minutes a game. DeMar DeRozan put in a ton of minutes last year. That's why they got wiped out against the uh, Washington Wizards last year because they were they were burnt out, just flat out, straight up. They just were burnt out. And a guy in Kyle Lowry was burnt out. DeMar DeRozan, you saw his lack of legs in the postseason. It was it was evident as heck. And Demari Carroll obviously went to the postseason deep last year, but he had a great bench to support him. Now, if he doesn't have a great bench or if Terrence Ross doesn't come in and support him well, you're talking about a guy that will also wear down, and this team will do exactly what they did last year, go into the postseason and get swept. That's exactly what will happen to this team, and it's, it's not going to be a pretty sight. And that's what they need to worry about is, is that situation in the bench. And the other issue they have coming up as well in the future, and this is where you know, I wonder if, you know, if this is really the last couple of seasons for this team this year and next year including, DeMar DeRozan is a free agent in 2017. And they also have a ton of guys who are going to be on free agency in 2016. Terrence Ross will be a free agent in 2016. Luis Scola will be a free agent next year. James Johnson and Anthony Bennett. I mean, obviously these guys are all bench players, 
But that's half your bench. That half your bench is going to be gone. And then Bismack Biombo is also a free agent in 2017. You're talking about a team that, you know, seven of their 12 guys aren't, won't, will be gone by 2017. I mean, is this really the year? A, a time is not their friend in this situation. Is this the year that they really have to make that step to be, to be the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, they're, uh, you know, contract years can get a little tricky as far as uh, – uh, these guys are going to start playing a lot for themselves. Uh, it's it's human nature when you see a season that can change your paycheck from uh, you know twenty million over five years to sixty million over five years. You're going to start playing ball a little bit different. Uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna want to put stats up. And that's the kind of thing that can ruin a team, especially with so many guys. Like you said, seven out of twelve. I mean that that means two of those guys at, at minimum two of those guys are on the bench. Now these guys on the bench who have contract years they want to play. They're angry they're not playing. Their attitude starts to suck. They're they're you know pushing pushing their way on no matter what they got to do if they got to bad talk their team. It's it, it it can really mess up a team's chemistry, a team's flow and it changes the whole offensive game and um unfortunately this might be their last chance. Do I think they're good enough to really make some noise? Uh, no, I think I think they're they're a very good team in the Eastern Conference. Um, it's gonna it's gonna, in my opinion, end up being one of those disappointing eras for Raptors fans where you're you're close, you know, you're there, but it's just not it's not gonna work out in the end. It's gonna it's gonna turn into a mess. And I think honestly, and this is where this last summer for me. Uh, when it came to this team, really, it, 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 it embodied what I think they expect in this one guy, and that's Damari Carroll. And I brought this up last summer when they signed him. I said this was an outstanding signing from the perspective of he he knows what it takes to win and to be consistent and to be you know and to and to lit and to be so good. This Atlanta team last year, the Atlanta team, I'm talking about that one, They at one point from Thanksgiving up until the All-Star break, they only lost like four games, five games. He knows what it takes to be in a winning locker room, in a winning environment, in a, in a middle of the season, grind it out, just go about it day by day kind of attitude. And hopefully, if he is that kind of guy, which they should think he's that kind of guy considering the contract they gave him, hopefully they think he's the guy that can – Kind of, kind of give that mentality to the rest of the team, or at least show them what it takes to do that. And that's where I think this is where the team changes from that perspective. Obviously, like you said, the bench is going to be very thirsty this season when it comes to look. Terrence Ross is a free agent next summer. Louis Skull is a free agent. James Johnson, Anthony Bennett, a couple other guys. Benjamin Biombo is a free agent in a couple of years. You got a guys. You got some guys coming off the bench who are, like you said. They're, they're, they're playing for themselves, but Damari Carroll was a free agent last year, and he put together one of the best seasons and was an all-star and helped his Atlanta Hawks team get to that one seed in the Eastern Conference and was consistent. If he can find a way to do that with his team and find a way to at least implement that, hey, I was a free agent, I know what it feels like. If you play like this and you go about your business, you're going to be successful. And if that gets fed across the entire team, especially the bench, you're talking about a bench that could potentially play at their max potential, which, again, is a very good, not anything special, but a very good, as long as they come in and play a very good and cover DeMar DeRozan and cut down on DeMar DeRozan's minutes, cut down on Kyle Lowry's minutes, 
and the big men step up a little bit, that's where the team can become elite. And that's where the team can get better. And that's where Damari Carroll's presence and his piece of the puzzle really fits into all this. That's the only question about this team is Damari Carroll's presence. And honestly, if he can fill that void, he'll be the guy. Do you think Damari Carroll can fill that void? Uh, it's, I think Damari Carroll's awesome. I really do. Um, especially for a team like this, he's the kind of guy that could be the final piece to a puzzle. You add him to, to a lot of teams, they go from pretender to contender. Um, in, in this, I don't think the upgrade, I think upgrade, let me try to word this right. I think the upgrade from Damari Carroll or from Terrence Ross to Damari Carroll is huge. You know, you're getting a guy who knows what it takes to win, who plays the game the right way, and who, who can really do it all. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen him not, not often, but we've seen him take over game scoring. You know, we've seen him get 10 plus rebounds. We've seen him get 10 plus assists and we've seen him guard the best player on the floor. I mean, this guy, it was hurt in the playoffs pretty bad guarding LeBron and not, not doing awful, especially for how how hobbled he really was. Um, I yeah. Do I think he'll get them over the hump to maybe an Eastern Conference Finals team? No. Do I think that he'll get them over the hump as to being able to, you know, let, let me – he won't get them over the hump to be in a Finals team. He could get them over the hump to being an Eastern Conference Finals team, although I don't believe he will. Yeah, it's it's that's honestly that's really the only question I have for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, obviously they brought in Corey Joseph, who has a championship pedigree with the Spurs, but he's just a bench guy. And Damari Carroll brings in that everyday uh, lunchbox mentality of let's just go to work and win. Let's just do it. And I feel like if the team can can just grapple that mentality, this team could be very scary. And they could be scary from the perspective of look. You can get on a roll in this division. Again, Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, New York, those aren't powerhouses right now. Those are teams that are beatable, especially with this roster. And if Damari Carroll can bring to, put together that kind of year and really embrace this team, I'm telling you, this, this Toronto Raptors team could be scary now. Again, do I think that's legitimately going to be the case? No. Do, are they going to improve from last year? I think so. But I don't think they're going to be, like you said, a finals contending team. Now, they could get on a roll and appear that way late in the year. For all we know, they could be a 50-win team by March. They could. They could be really up there. Or like by mid-March, they could be a 50-win team, and they could be competing for a top seed in the East. They could be. But that could all be also false hope, considering that they play in a really garbage division. And they look at it. Really, realistically, this team, though, is really all about where DeMar, DeMar DeRozan does. Whatever DeMar DeRozan does is wherever they go. Yeah. They've been that way for the last – they've been that way for the last, like, four or five seasons. Wherever, wherever DeMar, DeMar DeRozan does and goes and becomes, that's what this team becomes because he's really an embodiment of what they all represent. And, again, he's going to be a free agent in a couple of years. And if that starts to seep into the team's mentality, you're talking about a very toxic situation where the team could become a giant letdown. So if you're a Raptors fan, don't be shocked if there's a giant letdown this year and this team falls off the map. It could happen. It really could. This team could not finish as the division winners if DeMar DeRozan starts recognizing his contract come 2016. He might start looking and be like, oh, I'm a free agent in about a year and a half. I'm a free agent in about a year. I, I need to start picking my game up and not focusing on the other guy. That could be the case. And it's really all about the front court. The bench needs to develop, obviously, like they have. And if, if they can develop into the team that we think they can be, then they'll, they'll get much better. But it's really all about the front court. And the front court has to play well. 
Damari Carroll, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, they all have to play well for this whole piece to work. It has to happen or else they won't go anywhere. And again, like I said, DeMar DeRozan is the most is the third most player on this most most paid player on this team. That's the thing that that you also have to factor in with this DeMar DeRozan situation in about two years. He's not the highest paid player on this team, people. He is the best player by far on this team. He is the counterpiece. He is he is the piece of the he's the main guy in this piece. I'm telling you, he's the main scorer on this team. And he's only the third most paid player on the team. Damari Carroll's making more money than him. Kyle Lowry's making more money than him. Look, I'm telling you, look out for a conflict. If if something now, bad happens this season, it could be the case. Now, Chris, I got a question for you real fast before we move on. Sure. For sure. this team to compete for a one seed in the East, where do you believe Damari, or, excuse me, uh, DeMar DeRozan will have to finish in the MVP voting? Here's the thing. If, if the Toronto Raptors finish in the top three, I mean, last year they finished number four. They were a top two team all season long until obviously they wore down at the end of the year. DeMar DeRozan needs to finish in the top three. He needs to be around. He needs to be around LeBron James. He needs to be around another guy that might step up. Maybe maybe Derrick Rose steps up this year. Maybe some other guy steps up in the Eastern Conference. He's got to be a top three, top four kind of guy. He's got to be on the ballot. If this team wants to be a top three, top two team in the East, you know, compete with the likes of you know, uh, a team in Cleveland, a team in uh, maybe – I can't think of any other teams right now because we're talking about the Atlantic Division. But um, if he wants to compete with – if they want to compete with big teams like that, DeMar DeRozan's got to come out and score 28 a game. He's got to score 28 a game. He's got to get his five, t- six assists. He's got to get, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe four or five rebounds a game. This guy's got to come out and play elite. And he's an elite player in my mind. I mean, so is, so is Kyle Lowry. DeMar Carroll is on the cusp of being elite, on the cusp. He's not there yet, but he's on the cusp. And uh, defensively, I think he's elite, but offensively, he's, he's very good. He's just not elite yet. But DeMar DeRozan's elite offensively. Kyle Lowry's elite offensively and defensively. Um, DeMar DeRozan can defend. Not great, but he can defend. If, if you want to be a top-two team, top-three team in the Eastern Conference, DeMar DeRozan has to be in that top-three, top-four MVP race. Um, and that's kind of what we got on the Toronto Raptors. Anything more you want to talk about on the Toronto Raptors? I'm sorry, my phone my phone cut out a little bit there. You're you're all good. Uh, anything more you want to talk about on the Toronto Raptors? Uh, I, you know, I just real quick my predictions on them. I'm thinking, you know, they're obviously going to win the division. Uh, not right. great in the playoffs, but you know that that's that's really what I got on them. That's kind of the that's kind of the theme of this entire division, to be honest. And uh, we're going to go into another break real quick. And we're going to jump into the circus. We're going to jump into the three-ring circus of the three teams that we know are going to do nothing this season. But it'll be fun to talk about them. We'll be back in a second. It's yours. The world is yours. The world is yours. The world is yours. The world is yours. I sip the dumb peak, watching Gandhi till I'm charged. 
lives and writing in my book of rhymes All the words past the margin The whole of mic I'm throbbing Mechanical movement Understandable smooth issues that murderers move with The thief's theme Play me at night, they won't act right The fiend of hip-hop has got me stuck like an air pipe The mind activation, react like I'm facing Time like Pappy Mason With pins I'm embracing Wipe the sweat off my dome, spit the phlegm on the street Sway Tim's on my feet, make my cypher complete Weather cruising in the six cab, I'm on terror deep I can't call it, the beats make me falling asleep I keep falling, keep but never falling six feet deep I'm out for presidents to represent me Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me Say what? I'm out for dead presidents to represent me The world is this The world is yours The world is yours The world is yours The world is yours
October 12, 2015 here on the Hooper's Log. Again, we're talking Atlantic Division preview, and we are previewing what to expect for the season for this division. And we are now in the three-ring circus situation, and we'll be talking about the Knicks because, again, the world is theirs. Um, not really uh, from the market perspective it is, but from the overall perspective of how this team is being put together, it is all questionable. I mean, just to break down the roster real quick, I mean, you got Robin Lopez, Chris Stapps Porzingis. It reminds me of the next Darko. Carmelo Anthony, obviously the best player on the team, probably the best player in the in, in the division, to be honest. Best scorer, in my opinion, best scoring capabilities at the position. You got Aaron Apollo. Again, he's a bench player. And then you got uh, Jose Calderon as a starting point guard. Again, not bad, but, I mean, nothing outstanding, again, as a starting lineup. And then their bench is just a bunch of guys who really are kind of D-leaguers. They all look like D-leaguers. Langston Galloway, he's all right. He can play well. He's nothing special. Jerry Young Grant, young guy, can come in and play outstanding. But he's 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 young still. Derek Williams, he's he's good. I mean, I would I guess I wouldn't call these guys D-leaguers, but they're all they're not they're not amazing players. They're just they're just average. They're just average players. Lewis Almondson, average. Sasa Vujicic, a guy who can come off the bench and provide you five ten minutes, but he's average. Kevin Serafin, again, Kyle O'Quinn, guy from North Dakota State who won that game in the NCAA tournament a couple years back with the 15C North Dakota State. Uh, Clay Anthony Early, again, good player, young, not there yet. Lance Thomas, young, just young, just a young team that's not there yet. I mean, really, the only thing I have to say about this team is there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, last year they won, I believe it was 18 games. This this team didn't do, I mean, they 17 games last season. This team was the bottom of the map for a reason. They just didn't have the pieces, and obviously with the injury to Carmelo Anthony, that's not going to help anybody. I mean, really, the question I have is, what are they doing in New York? I mean, what's what's the situation out there? Uh, I think the biggest problem they ran into this offseason, you know, they signed a very smart player in Robin Lopez. Contract was absurd. I mean, it's he's, yep. he's a good player. He's good defensively. He can get you some rebounds, but he's not going to affect the game to the tune of $15 million a year. Um, they got a lot. They got a, a bench with talent. Um, you know, uh, talent that a guy like Derek Williams. You know, he's just kind of starting to find it. Uh, but you know, to run this this triangle offense, you know, that Phil Phil Jackson. That that's his offense. Now, Phil Jackson is one of the, if not the smartest coach in the history of the league. The Zen master. I mean, when you have you got a quite a few guys on this team who just I, don't have the basketball IQ to to really run this offense. And then you have a, a coach who, you know, one of, the, one of the smartest players to ever play the game. Really, you know, he was the ultimate role player. Obviously, he was a starter, but the ultimate really role player. Uh, he knew his spot. He knew what to do when the ball came to him. He was clutch. He did his thing. But as a coach, I have never seen an NBA coach stare blankly at the court as much as I see Derek Fisher. It's it's almost sad to see because I how much I enjoyed watching him as a as a player growing up and it was it was you know he was always in the right place at the right time doing the right things. But when you have a lot of you know you have Calderon smart player, Robin Lopez smart player, but then Aaron Aflalo not the highest basketball IQ, Carmelo Anthony not the highest basketball IQ. Porzingis, he's a rookie. He's going to be playing a completely different game in the NBA. It's 
not the same. So he's going to have to learn that, that NBA IQ. It, it, it's just, it has potential. They they have potential to win anywhere from 25 to 28 games. But on the flip end, they could be back around their record from last year. I think it was 17 wins, 18 wins. Yeah. You know, just yeah. because the lack of basketball IQ, the la- this is going to be, aside from Jose Calderon, a team that just doesn't move the ball. I mean, these are these are guys who just take the ball and they're going to do their thing with it. But, you know, and it's led, you know, their leader, Melo, he, he, he is going to have to, which we've never seen him before do, learn how to create that within a team, learn how to create the unselfishness, the wanting to be better, that, that feel among the roster, which, you know, he's never done before, and I don't know if he'll do it now. Yeah, it gets to a point where you start to wonder if this if this team starts to recognize grade C players are just grade C players. I mean, you don't you, you don't. There's a lot of grade average players on this team. It's just uh, average players that just really will come in and just fill minutes. They're not going to do much. They're not going to provide this team with wins. They're just going to fill minutes. And I mean, I don't even know if Melo's going to last this season on this team. I mean, the only question we have too is will Chris Dapperson actually actually develop into something? you know, productive. I mean, will the bench outperform the starting lineup? I mean, the bench could be better than the starting lineup for all we know. I mean, there's so many questions on this roster that we have yet to determine. And obviously there's a guy in Jerry and Grant who's a rookie coming in this season. Clay Anthony early is only in his second year. Derek Fisher as the coach is in his second year. Kevin Serafin has some evidence that he can rebound the basketball when he was in Washington. And you, know, you, got, you got some things in here. Sasha Vujic has just proven that he can come off the bench and do something for five minutes. But I mean, it's, it's just there's a lot of questions. I mean, they have a lot of nice pieces that have potential, and they have a go-to guy in Carmelo Anthony. But like you said, it's, 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 it's this playoff chatter about this team needs to stop. This team does not have the potential to go far this season with the teams that, with the players they have put together. Um, Carmelo Anthony, and you said it. You said it yourself. He has a very low basketball IQ. The guy is an unbelievable go-to guy and a scorer. That's about it. He doesn't have very much else outside of that. His defense is shoddy shaky at best um i mean they still have a couple pieces away from really doing anything unless kevin durant's walking through that door new york needs somebody and to step up and they need them to step up huge or else again like you said 25 28 wins at best is the goal for this team if they win 30 games this year i'll be shocked i mean carmelo anthony's gonna have to win them at least four or five basketball games to even sniff 30 because this team is just flat out bad they're just bad they're young they're, they have talent they have talent they can get better but they're just nowhere near where they need to be. Let's go to the other three-ring circus team that we got real quick. We got the Brooklyn Nets. Last year, I have no idea how they won 38 games. We can talk to Steve Krebs when he comes on the, on the show sometime in the future. But the Brooklyn Nets, again, I don't know how they won 30 games, 38 games this year and got into the postseason. I don't know how they outbeat the, the Indiana Pacers last year and did what they did. The Brooklyn Nets, here's their starting lineup. Brook Lopez, Thaddeus Young, two outstanding players. Brook Lopez, all-star. Superstar, you could even make the case uh, at at some point in his in his season last year. Thaddeus Young, getting better every single year, an outside powerful power forward shooter, guy can grab rebounds. Joe Johnson, a fading superstar, really a fading star. He he was something big in Phoenix, but ever since he left Phoenix, he's really just kind of been an average star. He's he's been a he's been an all star, but he's been kind of kind of average for what he's he's been projected to be. Bogdan Bogdanovich. I don't know how to say his name, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to do very much for that team on the shooting guard position. And then you got Jarrett Jack, a guy who's improved, a guy who can play both both guard positions and play them well. 
But that's about it. And then they have the bench. Andre Bargnani, a guy who can shoot on the outside, a big man. Thomas Robinson, a guy who can just grab you boards. That's about it. Neither do you Donald Sloan. <laughs> Donald Sloan is a guy that came in from Indiana, and he was, you know, I mean, Donald Sloan can provide you a spark, but he's nothing special, and he's not very fundamental at that. Rhonda Hollis Jefferson, I mean, he could start this year for Bogdanovich. They have like three guys that can start at the shooting guard position. Wayne Ellington, uh, Rhonda Hollis Jefferson, Bajan Bogdanovich, and then they also have Shane, Shane Larkin. I mean, Shane Larkin is a guy who can come in and play the, power, the point guard position as well. I mean, nothing's really, nothing's really showing any signs of improvement from the Nets. Ever since they made that crazy trade for the for Garnett and Ray Allen and other people, they have just really kind of they've dropped off the map. And I don't see them doing much this season. Lionel Hollins is in his second year. They have Markel Brown and Sergey Karazov as well. But it, this team is is really just the definition of yikes. I mean, I don't know how they win 35 games this year. Um, if the bench can come in and do something, if they can provide a boost to keep this team relevant, I mean that's that's really the only chance they have. Um, only Lopez and Thaddeus Young really contracted through the next three years as well. Everybody else is done after 2016, 2017. I mean, again, this is a lot like the Toronto Raptors. They're in flux. Can they compensate for the lack of guard play this year, Andrew? Um, I'm going to start by saying this. Every single person at the top of this franchise, and I mean every single one, needs to be fired. I have never <laughs> yeah. seen such a joke of a five-year span. I don't care how many times they've made the playoffs. I don't care how many times they've been knocked out early in the playoffs. I have never in my life seen such a badly handled franchise. This is the darkest future I have ever seen with an NBA franchise. No draft picks. Their best young player, I guess you can consider Thad Young, but what he's 28 now, something like that. Other than that is Shane Larkin. Shane Larkin is a a, a guy who's going to ride 90% of benches. He might be able to come in and play 15 minutes. But that is their brightest spot. It's it's a joke. This this franchise is a complete joke. I can't I cannot I can't even fathom what it's like to be a Brooklyn Nets fan in this era. Sure you you've watched your team go to the playoffs. And 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 get knocked out early in the playoffs. But you've you've also watched. I mean, what they they traded away some like three or four future first round picks to get ninety five year old Kevin Garnett and seventy year old yeah. Paul Pierce. It, it's it's a joke. It's it's un, it's unacceptable. Those those fans should not go to a game. They should stay home. They should save their money. Because this team's going to go out and they might win thirty, thirty-five games. You know, they, they, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point because for the next five years, they're going to get worse every single year. They, they, they have twenty-five million dollars due to Joe Johnson. You know, they, they're paying, they're Sad Young, good player. They extended him for ten million a year. I mean, he's, he's a really good player, but he's just not. He's not going to make an impact to the point of making you win a playoff game. I mean, Jarrett Jack, sure, uh, great coming off the bench, but you you make that guy play 30, 35 minutes a game, his true colors are going to show. You know, those mistakes are going to start coming through. Uh, 
to Bogdanovich. I mean, he's a guy who they, they really hoped was going to play. He might shoot 40% from three, but he's going to average eight points a game while doing so. So it's not going to matter. It's, it's, I can't explain, you know, and it's, I really, I had five, four or five years ago, uh, I, I really had high hopes for, for the Nets. They had new ownership. They had, you know, billion, the Russian billionaire, uh, and it's just it's a joke how this has been handled. It's the the it's just awful to see. You know, it's really it's it's just sad. Well, your sentiment for the Brooklyn Nets is the same sentiment I have for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers because we don't really need to talk more about the Brooklyn Nets because they are what they are. And uh, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, I have the exact same sentiment. Again, a team who won eighteen games last year, they haven't been relevant in the NBA. Play, they haven't been relevant in the NBA for about this entire decade. Uh, Outside of uh, Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor, I mean, obviously you got a guy in Joel Embiid who's out again with a foot injury. Brett Brown is coming back for a third season uh, this year for them, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Small forward, Robert Covington. You, you talk about a guy, Robert Covington, out of high school, Proviso West, college, Tennessee State, undrafted in the NBA, signed with the Houston Rockets in July 15, 2013, played seven games in 2013-2014, and then he played with the Philadelphia 76ers for 70 games and started started uh, 70 games, 13.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists, and 1.4 steals a game, 28 minutes per game on average. He's 24 years old. That is one of their bright spots in Philadelphia. It's a joke. And then at shooting guard, you have Hollis Thompson or Nick Stauskas, one of the two. One of the two will start. Tony Roten is really their only bright spot on the front court, and he's all over the place. Kyle, Carl, Carl, Carl Landry, excuse me, guy coming off the bench. Isaiah Kanan, he's coming out of nowhere. Kendall Marshall, he's only relevant on Twitter. Uh, Jakar Sampson, he's you know he's he, he's he's a nobody. And then Jeremiah Grant, the only thing I've seen Jeremiah Grant do is, is introduce his brother to the Knicks. Outside of that, this is a garbage team. Nerlens Noel, he's great. Okafor, he's he's outstanding. This is really all they have, though. And Tony Roten is just going to throw the ball inside and run around and act like – I'm telling you. The one word for the Philadelphia 76ers is a circus. I have I really don't have any questions for this team. The only thing I'm, I want to know is if this team wins 20 games, Brett Brown should get a raise. I'm serious. Like, I, I, what do you want – like, what do you want from this 76ers team? The goal is 20 wins. Pieces, they have no identity. I mean, obviously, Jaleel Okafor, Newlands Noel – Tony Roten is all they have. They have no idea who's starting the shooting guard. No idea. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Andrew, when I say this, I'm serious. Me and you should go try out for the team. We should. We, we really should. We should, go, we should go to the 76ers organization and say, hey, look, hey, we'll, we'll try out. If you give us five minutes a game, we'll come in. We'll sit on the bench. We'll look nice. But if you need us, we'll take our jersey. We'll take our suits off and go play for you. I mean, it's that bad. The, the 76ers are pathetic. It's a lot like what you said about the Nets or uh, front office with this team for the 76ers. I think they're making a good turnaround effort, but man, they are just stuck. And with the death of Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins earlier on in the off season, you talk about this season being the same way. I mean, this season's dead before it's even started. It's a joke. The 76ers are just a flat out joke. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I have a similar, very similar message to, to Philly fans as I did it to, to Brooklyn fans. You know, I hear this all the time. Trust in the process. Stop. Stop that nonsense. 
it, it, this is not trusting in a process. You don't go three years with three top three picks, and the you know out of the first two years, the best you have is a guy who averaged eight rebounds or something along those lines. In a while, well, very good player. He's he's going to be you know he's going to be above average. But I mean, when you're looking at above average players as your top three picks, you're not getting the job done. They have had more than enough time for this quote unquote process to work out. Stop spending your money. Stop wasting your time. It's this front office is not going to change a thing until they realize that you guys don't trust them. It's, as long as they have the support of these fans, as long as they have people who are going on Twitter and making their Twitter names, trust in the process, Sam Hinkie is going to do the same exact thing. Lose and then trade his future away, lose some more, draft a guy, he's not going to work out to his full potential, and trade him away again. And this has been going on, and it will continue to go on. This team has grown maybe five wins in three years. That might be what it's at with first-round picks, a ton of second-round picks. It's, it's, a, it's atrocious, brighter future than Brooklyn. That's not even close, but it's still it's, – it's terrible to see such a storied franchise with so many legends who have passed through to be purposely losing to make wrong first-round picks. So what's fascinating is is that they traded away Michael Carter-Williams last year, which made absolutely no sense because if this team would have had Michael Carter-Williams now, you're talking about a team that potentially could win 25 games, maybe even 30, and seriously make a turnaround because then you're talking about having maybe Tony Roten and Michael Carter-Williams start in the backcourt with Nerlens Noel yep. and Jaleel Okafor. That's a, that's, a serious, that's a serious starting four. I mean, yep. obviously Robert Covington filled the void, but that's about it. But you're talking about a team that would have a way better chance coming into the season, especially playing in a division that they play in. And now that they don't even have a shooting guard to go with, with Hollis Thomas or Nick Stauskas, this isn't college, people. Nick Stauskas isn't going to shoot four threes in a game and make them all. He's not going to do that. This isn't college. This is the NBA. Nick Stauskas is going to get shut down every single night. Tony Roten is going to run around with the basketball and dunk and throw alley-oops, and that's about it. Outside of that, this team's not winning 20 games this year, and if they do – it's a great year. All right, you want to talk about division awards, Andrew? Give them. Give them to me. All right, first, uh, I got my division MVP, DeMar DeRozan. Who you got on that one? You know, I'm, I'm going to – you know what? I am such a mellow sucker. I'm going to give it to Carmelo just because he's the only thing going for New York. Outside of that, I mean, I agree with you. DeMar DeRozan should be the MVP of this division. Okay, and then we got division least valuable player. Relative to his contract, he's terrible. Joe Johnson, good ball player on a five to ten million dollar contract, not a twenty five dollar contract. Who you got? Uh, my least valuable player is Robert Covington because he fills a void and he should be in the D League. He should actually be playing underwater. He's that bad of a player. Okay. <laughs> Division Coach of the Year, easy for me. Easy money, Brad Stevens, Butler, Celtics, go. I'm going to say Dwayne Casey because of the fact that Dwayne Casey's in his fifth season. I've seen this guy. Uh, I've seen this guy talk Sonics basketball live on the air before. He's awesome. Dwayne Casey's cool, and plus they have the best team in the division. Okay, uh, final one before we get to per game leaders. I got division most improved player minus Jay Crowder, aka Damari Carroll Jr. Who you got? 
I actually think uh, the most improved this season when it comes to the division is going to be Jarrett Jack. I know you mentioned that his more minutes is going to make his flaws show. I saw him play a game this season in overtime, 50 minutes. He only had two turnovers. This guy can play at the starting role, and I think he can play it well. He's really going to be one of the only real most improved uh, bright spots for the Brooklyn Nets this year. I think Jarrett Jack will be the guy. Okay, and then into the per-game leaders before we go off the air here. Uh, points per game. I'm looking at Melo anywhere from 24 to 25, although I think he can be challenged by DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, I was going to actually say, I was going to say, you know, I, I like the Melo pick. I was going to like that, but I was going to say, you know what, DeMar DeRozan, if he's going to put this team to the next level, he's going to be the guy to score you 27, 28 points a game, and I think he can do it. Okay, and then you're looking at assist per game. I would be shocked if anybody but Kyle Lowry came away with the division title for assist per game. Got good point guards. You got okay point guards. Nothing, nothing like Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I, I'm on board with that all the way. I think Kyle Lowry is the best assist man in the in the, in the division by far. All right, and then the final one we got rebounds per game. Another easy one for me. I got Brook Lopez, although he could be challenged by his brother. You know, um, you said Brook Lopez. That's not a bad pick. I, I actually wouldn't be shocked if um, Jaleel Okafor or Nerlens Noel, if Nerlens Noel can put together an entire healthy season, this guy can average 12 rebounds a game. I mean, easily 12, 13 rebounds a game. And I know Brook Lopez can average 13, but if Nerlens Noel is the only guy they got going in Philadelphia, they're going to be missing a lot of shots, and he's going to be grabbing a lot of rebounds. So that's where I think it's going to be yep. if Nerlens Noel. Yep. All right. Um, that is that is pretty much the end of our show. We're going to end it shortly here. Uh, we've got about a minute left on the show. Again, this is our Atlantic Division preview. Our next show will be on Wednesday, October 14, 2015. Same time, same place, 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Hoopers Log. We'll be previewing the Central Division, which I promise you, the Central Division will have a ton of more content and a lot more players, a lot more teams to talk about. There are at least four teams in this division, four, maybe even all five, to potentially make the postseason this year, and we'll break that down for you on our next show. Again, this is about a 75-minute edition of the Hoopers Log. Again, that next show will be October 14, 2015, same place, same time, on CLNS Radio for blogtalkradio.com as well. Again, my ho- your host, Simo Buckets. And your co-host, Andrew Norris, will meet you again there next week on the, thir- on the 14th of October on Wednesday. We'll see you later. Peace.